the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A big day for the big guy. Yeah, Joe came out of the basement today. He signed a $1.9 trillion relief package into law. That means your $1,400 check might be in the mail if, uh, if you qualify. Uh, the media immediately slobbered all over him and called it a huge win. And uh, some referred to it as the greatest relief package since the Great Depression. Not much, men- not much mention, um, though, of the fact that 90% of the money has nothing to do with COVID relief or that the average American would probably be better off if they just threw bags of money out of helicopters instead of going through this uh, $1.9 trillion package. We'll talk about the media uh, cheerleading for the big guy in our second half hour today, but we're also going to talk about what could be bad news for the big guy. Gas prices keep going up. Maybe you've noticed. I'm pretty sure you have. Uh, you're probably also aware that if they had been going up at the rate we've seen them go up in the last couple of months and Donald Trump were our president, the media would be apoplectic and uh, talking about how it's hurting the poor and it's all about the evil oil companies, you know, the drill. No pun intended there. Uh, there are predictions out there that we could see four, five, some people are saying $6 a gallon in the next several months. Imagine that. What are the chances of that happening? Well, we'll see. And if it does happen, it won't be just because of the big guy's energy policies. The ridiculous bill he signed today could also play a role in that. After Joe signed the bill today, he just plopped his pen on the desk, got up and walked out. Uh, the media were throwing questions at him and his staff. Uh, I'm sorry, they were throwing questions at him uh, and his not at his staff, but the staff just yelled at the media and told him to leave Joe alone, to go away. It's all very strange because this is one of those um, opportunities for a president to brag. Remember how uh, Donald Trump used to sign the bills and then hold them up for everybody to see with a big smile on his face and lots of people standing around and patting him on the back, or at least figuratively doing that? Well, the big guy couldn't get out of there fast enough today after he signed it. And we'll talk about the media's coverage with DePaul University Professor of Communications Jeff McCall in our second half hour. But when we come back after this break, it's Sam Karnick. He's Publications Director for the Heartland Institute. He's going to tell you what to expect at the pump. Stick around. By now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's literally changed my life. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape. They're made in the USA, and for a limited time, Mike is offering his premium my pillows for his lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium my pillow for twenty nine ninety eight. That's regularly sixty nine ninety eight. That's a forty dollar savings. Kings are only five dollars more. All my pillow products come with a ten year warranty and a sixty day money back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAG. 800-716-8087, promo code STAG. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. 
Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's. So thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy! The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining and bloating again and again. No way. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than six, and it should not be given to children six to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor today. You may be able to save on Linzess and make fewer trips to the pharmacy. See if you're eligible to pay as little as $30 for 90 days. Visit Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Yeah, I probably don't have to tell you that, uh, that gas prices have gone up in the last couple of months, and I don't have to tell you that Donald Trump promised you that they would if Joe Biden became president, but is there cause and effect here? Well, Sam Karnick is the Publications Director for the Heartland Institute. He joins us now. Sam, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So um, I, I guess the question is, well, first of all, uh, here in Western PA, I don't know about where you are, but there's no doubt that uh, gas prices have gone up and, and gone up quite a bit. There is some debate, I'm sure, about how much Joe Biden becoming president has had to do with that. It's only been uh, less than two months. Can he be blamed for any of it at this point? Uh, very possibly. Uh, first of all, let's look at the numbers. The uh, price, the average national, the average price of gas uh, across the nation is two dollars and seventy-seven cents. That's a thirty-one cent jump in the last month, and the price in every state has climbed by double digits in February. Um, I've looked at the total vehicle miles driven up through last December, and by the end of the last year. We were about 9% below what's normal for December. So unless uh, vehicles miles driven has shot up in the last two months, uh, we don't have information on that. But unless it's really shot up, there's no, uh, there's no uh, big demand reason for it. So uh, ordinary, and interestingly enough, ordinarily, uh, February is not a, not a bad month for gas prices. Usually they're fairly stable. This month they shot up. 31 cents, which is a 12.5% jump. That's a lot. Yeah, so um, is, if you were a Trump voter, uh, can you, is there any way to, to back up the, a claim that uh, gas prices would not have gone up if the election had gone the other way? There actually is. Uh, the fact that the, 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 what really has, has caused the uh, prices to go up just now is that OPEC Plus, decided to increase uh, uh, output by only uh, one-tenth of what they were, had planned to for April. 
So they were going to increase output in April and then continue and do even more in May and June and July. But they, it's only one-tenth of what they were going to do, a very small increase. So what that means is that there's less uh, fuel going into the system, less crude going into the system, uh, and there's less use of refineries right now. So why is all that happening? Well, one would imagine that the uh, war on fracking and the war on fossil fuels might have something to do with that. Now, how long before the shutdown of the, uh, of the Keystone Pipeline, how long before that has uh, some effect, or could it, have been already, uh, could it already have been affected by it? Well, it's very possible that it already has affected this, um, and, and it's certainly a contributing factor. What, what was going on during the Trump administration, as you're well aware, was an increase in U.S. output of oil. And what that does, of course, is it increased the supply worldwide. And in fact, we became the biggest supplier in the world, which was uh, an, an, an astonishing uh, accomplishment. But then when you start to cut back on that, the biggest supplier in the world starts to cut back. That's going to lower the supply worldwide and it's going to increase prices. And then when OPEC Plus says, uh, you know, this is to our advantage, um, and we won't uh, put out as much so that the price will go even higher. I think we can really expect that oil, oil and gas prices are, are going to head up even higher. The numbers that we're going to see will be shocking. You think it'll, it's going to be a shocking increase in, in uh, the cost of a gallon at the pump? Absolutely. Uh, well, give there me, are predictions give me a, from AAA that it'll go up to 290 <laughs> this spring. National yeah. average. Uh, we're up to three dollars a gallon here. I think I saw two ninety nine nine yesterday or the day before. Um, are we looking at? Uh, and then Western PA, by the way, I think most people who listen to this show know by now that uh, we have the highest gas tax in the United States at seventy seven cents a gallon. Um, so you know you, you have to shave that off, whatever the price of the gas is, before you start screaming about. The being gouged by the oil companies, but um, so, so give me give me a, a definition of shocking for people here in Western PA. If we're at three dollars a gallon now, where are we going to be in July? Well, that's a really good question. You know, the national average today is two dollars and eighty three cents, yeah. and it was two dollars and seventy seven cents just a few days ago. So it's rising very rapidly right now. So. It, uh, if the ad national average is two dollars and eighty three cents, and Pennsylvania's about twenty cents ahead of that, we're looking at maybe three dollar uh, national average very soon. So add twenty cents, thirty cents to that, given uh, proportionality for Pennsylvania, it's mm -hmm. not going to be pretty. Wow. Uh, so the cost of oil. You mentioned the ca the, the increase in the cost of uh, cost of. Uh, uh, a gallon of gas, I saw somewhere that the cost of oil has gone up 69% since December. Uh, that's for a barrel of oil, I guess. How, how much of the increase can be blamed on the pandemic and what you know, everything being shut down and whatever else, you, all the other insanity that goes with it? Well, yeah, when you close down the economy, then obviously refineries are not going to produce as much gas because uh, there's not as much demand for it. But you have to remember, as I said earlier, by the, by the end of the year, we were at about 90% or yeah, about 91% of where we were uh, the year before. So the, in terms of uh, vehicle miles driven. So I don't think that that's enough of a, of a change to affect things going forward. Uh, what's going on here is that there is an expectation that simply the the crude isn't going to be coming from OPEC plus and uh, it's not going to be coming from the United States because we're, we're going to be producing less. So you put all that together and that means uh, you're not going to have as much, uh, uh, as much crude going into the system and so, that's going to tighten what, what the refineries can do. So for someone who's uh, uh, not, um, as smart as you are when it comes to this stuff, someone like me, uh, just looking at it from afar, what you're saying is that um, we are already seeing uh, the results of the United States either producing less oil or threatening to produce less oil. 
That is a very good translation of what I just said. The reality is uh, that when you produce more of something, you, you lower the price, yes, but that is a good thing. It's not, it's not good to have high gas prices, and, and ordinary people understand that. Governments don't seem to get that, and especially certain, uh, certain types of uh, people in government look at increasing government power as a good thing. They look at uh, the environment and say, well, we need to get rid of fossil fuels. That's fine, but that's going to have consequences, you know, and we're already starting to feel the consequences, but that's the word, starting. And, and as you start. said, we're, we're only beginning to feel the consequences. It's going to get worse. Um, yes. Now, you mentioned uh, December and the production you know, being at 90%. Uh, I, I'm, the, December, the end of December was before the gigantic uh, freeze in Texas, the ice storm and everything that went down uh, there in Texas. Uh, has that done anything to reduce since, uh, I guess that was like a month ago, um, what's that going to do to to the supply, the supply line? Sure. That, well, that's a fair, yeah. Texas is a fairly big economy, and so when they uh, when they had their troubles, uh, they, it didn't last very long, though. Uh, in in you know in the big picture, it didn't last very long. So uh, when we're talking about vehicle miles driven, um, m- my point is that uh, that's the demand for gasoline is vehicle miles driven, and that uh-huh. hadn't fallen by so much that everything should have, uh, that, that, the, that the supply should have fallen quite as much as it has. This is, a, uh, this is OPEC Plus taking advantage of uh, the United States' move toward decreasing the supply of crude, and OPEC Plus is taking advantage of that by holding off on increasing the supply to make up for it. So we're driving not quite the same amount of miles, but pretty close. And we're cutting back on how much oil and therefore gas we're putting into the system, supply and demand. We're talking to Sam Karnick. He's the publications director at the Heartland Institute. Um, Now, uh, Joe Biden is also uh, talking about reducing sanctions on Iran. Uh, What does that do uh, to the increase in oil available coming from the the, uh, Middle East? And does that... Is that going to be good or bad if uh, if they're starting to pump out more oil? I'm talking about good or it bad would, for Americans. It would be good in the sense that the the world supply would increase uh, if that actually happens. Mm-hmm. My concern is that what is going on in Iran is uh, likely to con- to continue the destabilization of the Middle East, and that may not be good for the production of of crude oil. So again, that could be, uh, that could hurt the supply rather than help it. So it's, it's another element of the, uh, another piece of the puzzle, but not necessarily going to work to our advantage. Um, I saw a lot of predictions from experts a couple of months ago who said Biden's policies wouldn't have much of an effect. Um, and, uh, you know, that was back in, in November when he first uh, was was elected, before he became president, uh, what will those people be blaming it on if not Biden? What what are some legitimate um, things that that uh, that the people who are saying that Biden's policies are okay, what are they going to blame it on? Well, they'll have to deflect. They'll have to try and distract and uh, come, uh, get us worried about other things because. There is no way to say that the that the, the the price is going up just completely independent of anything that this president has done. Uh, you have to remember too, we just spent 1.9 trillion dollars, and that throws a whole bunch of money into the economy, right? So you throw a whole mm-hmm. bunch of money into the economy, and you have the same amount of gasoline available. What's going to happen to the price of gasoline? In this sense, gasoline may well be seen as, and I think it should be seen as, a canary in a coal mine for upcoming consumer inflation. Uh, okay, so, well, yes, and I, but yes uh, Biden, um, is cert- Biden and the, and the Congress is responsible for that. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I'm looking here at a, a story from um, back in October, October 23rd. Uh, I'm not familiar with this, uh, this site, World Oil. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, but uh, it quotes someone named Harold Hamm, uh, a confidant of President Trump and the chairman of Oklahoma-based Continental Resources Incorporated, says that we're going to be looking at prices at $6 a gallon. Is that hysteria? Uh, I wish it were, but it's not. Wow. Uh, the problem you, the problem we have is that in addition to that $1.9 trillion, the Fed has been pumping money into the economy as well. And that money has been going into equities, stocks. Uh, but they, it's very possible that stocks have, have taken all the value that they can at this point, or all the money that they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're about at least 13% overvalued right now the U.S. stock market. So there's a certain point where it, it just, they can't accept anymore. They're not going to get any more money. People just won't put it in there. And there's, there's no good money in bonds. So there's nowhere to put money now. So where does that money going? It's going to go into, the, in, into circulation. It's going to go into consumer price inflation. So, again, gas prices are very sensitive to the value of the currency, and I think what we're seeing here is the tip of the spear. Uh, and, and again, the, the $1.9 trillion injected into the economy, the loose money, those are all things for which the president and Congress are 100% responsible. And what it, if it, uh, God forbid, hits $6, $6 a gallon, they, it's on them, 100%. Well, you, we're finishing up here with Sam Karnick, uh, Publications Director for the Heartland Institute. So uh, you you are an expert on this stuff, but most people, when they drive into the gas station, are not going to look at the 5 or $6 a gallon that they're paying and say, oh, this is because of inflation from the $1.9 trillion stimulus <laughs> uh, package. They're going to say the oil companies are gouging us again, right? Well, they're going to be told the oil companies are gouging us again. That uh-huh. will be that will be what will come from the administration and from the uh, Congress, but they will also be looking at a situation where I'm paying six dollars for gas and this shouldn't be happening. So there is that. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, uh, Sam, I'm I'm out of time. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll invite you back in a couple of months. Maybe uh, when we see where. The- where the gas prices are, and maybe you can talk us off the ledge. Uh, one real quick question, if you've got 30 seconds. Uh, yes. What's going to take to reverse this? This guy's got three, three years and ten months left in office, assuming he's able to do it. What, what it's going to take, first of all, is a, uh, a 2022 election that will uh, change Congress, because otherwise there will just be more of the same. Um, I would suggest that uh, your, your listeners... Go to heartlanddailynews.com, which is our uh, news website, and you can catch up on what's, what's happening in all these areas uh, every day. We have uh, numerous articles every day on there, heartlanddailynews.com. But what we're going to have to have some uh, political change in the meantime, or this is going to continue, and it's going to get worse. Wow. Hey, Sam, I appreciate you coming on. It's a lot of bad news you're giving us, but uh, we're, we're prepared now. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Have a great day, and, if you can. You, you too. That's, uh, that's Sam Karnick, Publications Director for Heartland Institute. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Biden signing the $1.9 trillion relief package into law. He says it will help the U.S. defeat the coronavirus and nurse the economy back to health. That signing comes just hours before the president plans to deliver his first primetime address tonight to the American public on the one-year anniversary of the pandemic. Nearly 60 Democratic lawmakers demanding that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo resign in the wake of an allegation that he groped an aide at the executive mansion last year. The New York Assembly is the legislative house that could move to impeach Cuomo. A judge granting prosecutors' request to add a third-degree murder charge against the former Minneapolis police officer charged in George Floyd's death.
Stocks higher today, the Dow gained 188 points. The Nasdaq was up 329. This is SRN News. Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You could save a lot of money, whether it's just for you or for an entire family. MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. And it really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. You get free telehealth services. You get a huge network of doctors. You get great customer support. And you get the sense of security that comes from being a part of 400,000 people who share not just each other's medical bills, but purpose, too. MediShare is a community of Christians who pull together and pray for each other, which is very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. AM 1250, The Answer. The Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior. Disney Plus has decided to drop once beloved, now controversial movies from their children's menu. The taboo movies will still be available if there's an adult who can override the ban. However, there will be a disclaimer. The Mike Gallagher Show. Weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing as this is one product that actually works. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors, so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine, and it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Genesis 950 is made in America. If you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to buy Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial-strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. Consider Genesis 950 before purchasing new carpets. Genesis 950 has great customer service. Order one gallon direct at Genesis950.com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and $10 coupon using code PETS. That's $10 coupon using code PETS. That's Genesis950.com. Discount only available at Genesis950.com. Genesis 950, much cheaper than replacing your carpets. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, TuneIn, iHeart, or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Hanging on to plenty of congestion out there on the outbound Parkway East, taking five or six minutes extra from Bates Street up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Inbound looking really congested, 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Pretty solid delay there. On the Parkway West, that's also looking busy inbound Green Tree Road to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. You'll also see construction blocking McKee Road between 48 and Lower Heckman Road. That's utility work through the 19th. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Tonight will be breezy with occasional rain. Expect a low tonight of 42. Tomorrow, clouds breaking for some sunshine. It will be mild, breezy in the afternoon, the high 59. Tomorrow night, patchy clouds with a low of 22. Saturday, sunshine and a few clouds. Saturday will reach a high of 47. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, Joe Biden went public with the signing of one of the most spectacular pieces of over-legislation since LBJ. He plopped his pen on the desk, stood up, and walked out while the media were yelling questions and people on his staff were yelling at the media to back off. That's the way it goes with the big guy these days. Fifty days, uh, still no press conference. 
and the media are doing his work for him. Jeff McCall is professor of communications at DePaul University, uh, has been a media critic for The Hill and FoxNews.com, and he's back on with us again today, joining us now. Thanks uh, for coming on again, Jeff. Always good to have you. Thank you. Great to be with you, too, John. So uh, you would think that a president who just signed a gigantic bill uh, fulfilling a ton of campaign promises would take the opportunity to to brag about it, but he bolted. What, what do you make of this? He just doesn't like well, the media right now. Yeah, not, not, well, I'm not sure he doesn't like the media, but he certainly doesn't want to be held to scrutiny by the media. And right. it is a little surprising that you'd have a photo op of him signing that big piece of legislation, which presumably is a great victory for the White House, and then to not want to engage the media at all, or even just have a few celebratory comments or questions or whatever to be answered. So, I mean, this, but this is part of what we're seeing in the overall White House strategy now. We parade him out a little bit, but don't expose the president uh, to any press scrutiny or questions. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is a question for me, how long can they keep this up? I mean, I, I just can't imagine this can go on for four years. But, you know, the first 50 days, you know, should be an indication of what their strategy is. And, and we're seeing it right now. Yeah, and, and with all the talk about his uh, cognitive issues, which he apparently has, it uh, seems obvious to me, but uh, you would think that his communications staff would be looking for opportunities to stop the talk and and get him out there to show that he is capable of doing it, but it's, it's the opposite. I mean, it's just it's glaringly obvious what's going on, isn't it? Well, you know, it's sometimes hard to watch, to tell you the truth, uh, because it does seem like there are some challenges there that the president is facing. Uh, yep. But what's interesting, though, is that most of the establishment media is willing to run cover for him. You you don't see stories about these challenges he's facing, you know, on Good Morning America or on CNN or whatever. I mean, you'll mm-hmm. see that on Fox and Newsmax. They'll show video of the president having difficulty pronouncing words or pausing in between statements or whatever. But so I must say, for the majority of the typical American news consumers, you know, they might have a general sense that there are some issues there, but probably not in any specific way and probably not in a way that they would be concerned because, in a sense, the media is running cover. Yeah, and that was my next question. Um, How long can the media hold off on making his mental state the number one story? He produces a gaffe or some kind of a, a senior moment every day. And, I mean, how, how, how long can they get away with uh, ignoring it? I guess for as long as they want. I don't know. Well, I don't think that there's going to be any change in the media strategy here, and the White House strategy seems to be working. I mean, when you get right down to it, uh, he ran a campaign like that, too, and the, the press went along and covered for, their, you know, for, the, for the presidential campaign during that time. So, I mean, they may figure that they can pull this off for a good amount of the time. And, you know, I do want to back off and say, you know, frankly, most of us don't really know what the cognitive challenges might be because, you know, there's no transparency in terms of his medical reports or, you know, health conditions. And, you know, none of us who, you know, sit in our living rooms watching the news are medical professionals and can really tell. But at a certain point, I would think that the public is owed an explanation. And the other thing is, you know, if, if, if he's going to make some gaps, uh, but he's still president at a certain point, I think they need to make him visible to us and just say, this is a guy who's a senior citizen. He's got some challenges, but he's still the president and we're still counting on him and let him go out there. But the media is going to cover as long as they need to. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and when I look at these things, uh, as someone who worked in a newsroom for a long time, I was a sports guy, but uh, you know, I was around news all my life and around TV news and around news people, uh, on-air people, reporters, uh, anchors, producers, news directors. And um, I don't know if it's changed since I've been away from it the last 10 years or so, but there would always be somebody around who a story like this, where you have a president who is showing every indication that he's losing it and he's only what two months into his term he's 78 years old that's a great story no matter what your politics happen to be uh if you are a news person of any uh, worth whatsoever you are you someone in the newsroom has to be going to the to the producer the the who, whatever the the equivalent of a news director is at CNN and and uh, and MSNBC and saying hey 
this is a great story. Let's work this. But, uh, I mean, have people just lost all interest in stories like that if it doesn't suit their their politics? Well, it could well be that there are people behind the scenes in those newsrooms who are reporters or producers who maybe have that kind of interest. But it still has to be cleared by the big cheeses and the executive producers and the news directors on top. And my guess is you're not going to see Jeff Zucker at CBS greenlighting a story or a special report by CNN, you know, chronicling the various problems that the president might be having. Now, if you tune into Fox News in the evening, particularly during prime time, you know, they're running montages of President Biden with his verbal stumbles. And again, I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to you know be too cruel here. But it's pretty obvious to see if you watch the, the tape over a period of months. And this goes back months, you know, even to the, the primary campaign that on some of the debate stages during the presidential primaries that the Democrats had. He was making some pretty unusual statements, uh, and the press just seemed to kind of gloss them over. And, of course, the uh, other Democratic candidates didn't exploit the opportunity either because I think they were probably trying to be team players. And I think there is a sense, too, like, okay, you know, how much do we want to criticize an elderly gentleman, uh, just because he's having some, you know, cognitive issues. And, uh, you know, I guess I would say, you know, sympathy kind of suggests that we kind of take it easy, but, uh, most grandparents are not president of the United States and most yeah. grandparents are not trying to make decisions that affect, you know, the world, you know, security conditions and that sort of thing, not to mention the economy. And, and, you know, and getting back to the signing today, this would have been a great opportunity for at least a few scripted or teleprompter kinds of things, or mm-hmm. even maybe take, you know, call on one or two of the more sympathetic reporters in the room for a softball question, because that's the other thing is, you know, the Biden press handlers have to know that if you lob an opportunity to MSNBC for a question, they're not going to ask the hard hitting thing like the, Hey, where are your medical records? They're going to just say, right. Oh, are you proud of this piece of legislation? You've just saved us from COVID and let Biden, you know, have a prepared one or two line answer where he can look like he's responsive and then they can parade him out. So, I mean, uh, they're covering for him pretty well, the, both the media and his press handlers. And I think one of the questions that, you know, if I were in a newsroom of a major news organization, one of the things I'd really be trying to figure out is who is calling the shots? Is the president really calling the shots behind the scenes on these policy matters? Or is there some sort of cabal or, you know, insider group or whatever. Maybe it's the vice president. We don't know. But I think at some point we need to have some suggestion as or some, you know, story to kind of look at who is making the decisions because, you know, the, the American people had an election. Uh, president Biden was sworn in. The, the people expect the president to be making executive decisions. And if he's not, we should at least know who is. And, and of course, I'm sure you know your history of, of the media and covering of presidents. Um, JFK was bringing hookers into the White House, and um, he was having a lot of fun with women uh, while Jackie was away, or while he was away, and the media knew about it. But it was like uh, it was like the way they covered Mickey Mantle in the in in the fifties and sixties. Everybody knew that what what he was up to, but that was just generally understood that the the principal uh, figures. Um, personal life was off the record they were allowed to do whatever they want and you didn't report on it but it's the exact opposite now everybody's supposed yeah. to be looking for every little thing they can find on somebody well decorum the bigger they are the a, better sure and decorum has changed a lot i mean you, your historical references are, are very interesting and quite on target but you could take that back you know to fdr and to woodrow wilson too as far as that goes but you yeah. know the decorum and the professional expectations were different but all those standards and expectations have been blown up in recent years, and that's the question now. Uh, what kind of set of standards are we going to have, or are they just so flexible that uh, now that you know we've got a different president, that the whole standards are all the standards are going to change? And I guess I would say, um, in terms of just transparency, I would really like for the media to be a little more transparent. And if and if it's going to be kind of like we're going to take it easy or we're not going to delve into personal things, that's fine. But that didn't stop them during the Bush administration. That didn't stop them during the Trump administration. Even to a certain extent for Clinton's administration, there was a lot of reporting about his personal behaviors and that sort of thing. So I think the question is, you know, what are the standards? And uh, explain those to us, and then we can live with them or not as we like to. Well, the the $1.9 trillion bill is a law now. There's a lot there. Um, 
besides just people getting checks. But but how much uh, scrutiny did the media give it, or was it more like cheerleading? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a really interesting topic to bring up, because when you really look at this $1.9 trillion COVID spending bill, uh, when you get into the nitty-gritty, as you well know, I'm sure, that most of it's not about COVID at all. Ninety <laughs> percent. Yeah. And, you know, the the labeling of it, you know, was a, you know, a, a strategic uh, plus for the Democratic Congress and the White House, because I'm sure that your average news consumer sitting out there in TV land or newspaper land is sitting there thinking, oh, $1.9 trillion for COVID relief, hey, that's great. Uh, but they probably don't even know that COVID spending is just a fraction of the whole thing. Uh, and also, uh, when you look at, uh, by, by the way, uh, as you well know, there's a study out from the Media Research Center looking at the coverage on the major three broadcast networks over the last month about the COVID spending bill. And it points out how many of the stories featured the $1,400 checks for individuals and the unemployment benefits, but very few of the stories covered uh, many of the other issues that you know are are part of that COVID. Spending yeah, money bill. going to foreign aid and museums and oh, uh, foreign yeah. aid, and, and and also just bailing out local and state governments who yep. you know have overspent their own budgets, and there there have been no coverage of that at all over the you know month and a half that this bill's been debated. And when you get right down to it, that's really media malpractice when. CBS, NBC, and ABC, none, none of the three of these big networks in their 630 newscasts can go on and even you know, spend 10 seconds saying, hey, a good part of this spending bill is on money that is unrelated to COVID. A good part of it is unrelated uh, to solving the pandemic problems, uh, but it's filled with all kinds of you know, treats for various special interests. And, and and I think one of the greatest parts of this story that have been untold is that how much of the previous COVID relief package money has not even been spent yet. Yeah. yeah. And so they're committing to spending $1.9 trillion when they haven't even spent, you know, the hundreds of billions that were approved during the Trump administration. And, and that, again... You know, what is not covered a lot of times is as damaging or bad for the press's reputation as what they actually do cover. No, I've actually come to the belief that the the worst thing they do is not how they cover, but what they cover. That I think it's uh, that's actually, uh, going back to the uh, Hunter Biden story and all that, I think it's become obvious, at least to me, that the biggest problem isn't what they say, it's what they don't say or what they don't cover. Uh, that's the biggest problem. We're talking to Jeff McCall. He's professor of communications at DePaul University and a media critic for The Hill. He's also done work for foxnews.com. So there's also Andy Cuomo out there, uh, Jeff. Uh, Accuser number six popped up yesterday. Uh, The media showed him a lot of love for several months. Uh, They have to come after him now, don't they? But they're they're still not jumping into it as much as you would think they should. Yeah, they've been rather guarded in how they move forward. And, I mean, I, I do agree that uh, just because you have accusations, you don't necessarily need to right. assume that they're all factual, and we do need to do the research behind. I guess my question is, how much are any of these news organizations really working behind the scenes to try to vet these stories or to try to you know, provide any continued documentation? Uh, we do seem to get a lot of news coverage of Cuomo's denials. Uh, but, you know, the... the he can't go on forever just denying unless there's some other procedure where the press is going to try to verify or not verify. Uh, I'd be shocked to see him resign. People are calling for him to resign. I know the mayor of New York City is calling for him to resign, but I think <laughs> Cuomo's pretty tough. I'd be surprised if he's going to give up on this gig. And I mean, let's face it, Bill Clinton had all kinds of allegations about him. He never left the White House. And, you know, all these years later, people look back and think, oh, those are the great old days. We had yeah. Bill Clinton as a wonderful president, and Cuomo might figure, hey, President Clinton is the role model here. I can blast him out. What does it say about the media, though, when the interest in unproven allegations, as you say, of sexual harassment or maybe assault now, this latest one, but uh, they get them uh, much more riled up, those allegations, than the possibility that he's responsible for thousands of deaths and then covering them up, covering the, that story up. There wasn't nearly the interest in that story as there is in the the sexual harassment stuff. Yeah, very curious. And in fact, I think the media should have gone after both those stories with equal energy. 
Mm-hmm. But e- e- even though there has been more coverage of the harassment stories with Cuomo, uh, certainly nothing compared to what Judge Kavanaugh had to go through a couple of years Not ago. Yep. And so even even though there's been, I mean, th- this is one of those things where the media kind of put itself in a corner. They've got to cover these things now uh, because they've set the standard with some of the previous examples. But uh, really, I think you're right, though, not to minimize the harassment allegations, but the mismanagement of the nursing homes and the, the number of people, the elderly people who died in New York City is on a broader scale, a much more newsy kind of journalistic story than the more scintillating harassment things and that's not to say you don't cover the harassment things but in terms of proportion there should have been and should still be a lot more coverage on the fiasco with the nursing homes and the uh, extra people who probably died as a result of that mismanagement now uh, we're talking to jeff mccall and you are a professor of communications at DePaul university so my, i have a question i just have you talked to your students at all? I mean, the stuff that you and I are talking about right now, how much of that do you discuss with your students, or how much of it is discussed with students in the communications department at, at uh, DePauw, uh, about the media's coverage of Joe Biden and, and his camera shyness and all that stuff that we just talked about? Is it covered well, you in know, school? Um, uh, th- those are always topics when I talk about news agenda setting. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I talk about what makes news, you know, um, prominence, uh, high-impact stories, conflict. You know, we talk about those kind of standard definitions that make up news. We can always talk about examples. I must say I do think it's important for classrooms not to become politicized, so I don't ever try to, like, say, oh, uh, Biden's getting away with something or something like that. But I do think that those things should be real-life examples, and I do expect students uh, in all of my classes, I mean, they're media students, I do expect them to pay attention to the news and follow the current events, and so it does come up from time to time, you know, students will say, well, you know, what is the balance of coverage or did the media cover this fairly? And uh, frankly, I think it's good for them to bring those things up. And that, that should be part of the discussion of any student who wants to go into the news media. They need to be able to track the news now and weigh and balance the various factors that make news, including not only what gets, gets covered, but what is left off of the agenda, as we've talked about before. I only have 30 seconds left. Do, are, do, they, do you make them make comparisons? Are they, are they required to watch what's going on on the, on the different networks to see who's doing what? I only have about 30 seconds, Jeff. Yeah, I do, I do encourage students to have a wide menu of news uh, sources that they, that they you know, not just look at one place for news. I want them to have a broad news menu. And when they look at the broad news menus, they can see differences in coverage. And I think that's one interesting thing is that, most of our students today are pretty sharp. When they observe the news, they can sort things out. And so I think when the news media looks down their nose at their news consumers and think that they can't figure things out, I think they're mistaken. Hey, Jeff, I'm, I'm out of time. Always love having you on and to go over this media stuff. It's pretty crazy stuff going on right now. Hope to have you on again soon. Thanks. Thanks very much. Okay, that's Jeff McCall, professor of communications at DePaul University. We'll be right back. Some home repairs just can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. Well, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters, and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew, so don't put it off. Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial, aluminum, wood and composite. And to show their appreciation to stag fans everywhere, you'll also get 10% off your total project when you mention this show. Get 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off. Backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's Windows R Us, Pittsburgh.com. Benjamin Franklin once wrote, <laughs> Nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Uh, hold on there, Benji. <gasps> you can't even rely on that much thanks to identity thieves. Pardon? Tax forms have all your personal info in one place. And this is the season when it can get emailed, shared, and possibly exposed to identity thieves. 
They might even try to file your tax return before you do. This shan't stand. No, it shan't. Because LifeLock monitors your info and alerts you to identity threats. If you become a victim, a dedicated U.S.-based specialist will help fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Join today and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code SMART. That's promo code SMART for 25% off at LifeLock.com. And remember, 25% saved is 25% earned. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Yeah, the big guy today, uh, it was pretty pretty amazing what he did. He came out there. And, you know, normally when you see a signing of something this big that the, the Democrats are so proud of, not only does do you... Uh, maybe let the media throw some questions at you or you at least make some comment about how thrilled you are that it, that uh, this law has been passed and uh, and how proud you are of yourself and uh, the Democrats. But where were all the people with the multiple pens as he signed it? It was really a low-key thing for such a, a big deal. Um, and it's just so blatantly obvious that, that they're hiding this guy. And tonight he's going to come out and do, uh, I think it's about a 20-minute, teleprompter read to the nation about uh, covid and how uh, we got to you know i don't who knows what he's going to say it's going to be a it's going to be a uh, uh some i guess cheering us on or or telling us that we need to you know buckle up and and still be tough and we're going to get through all this and we're great americans and all that kind of stuff and uh, once again he'll read the uh, statement from a teleprompter badly he'll do a bad job of it squinting as he does it and transfixed by the teleprompter uh I, just today i i taught a class on reading a teleprompter and as i was doing it i was thinking about how bad joe biden is at it i was talking to some college freshmen teaching them how to do it um and it, there is an art to doing it without making it look like you're reading to people joe's really 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 bad at it and uh I wouldn't be surprised to see if he tripped up uh, uh, tonight and got lost. That would be very interesting and actually maybe a little funny. Anyway, I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.